0: of those, and we got rid of every one of them last week except for maybe two or three, and uh, they might be back there somewhere, either at the information desk, probably, if you want to pick up uh, one of the two or three that was left, what you do is pay five bucks, it's Bible like this one right here, and uh, you pay five dollars, and then on the inside of it you write a letter to one of our uh, soldiers, and we uh, get it out to them, let them know you love them, you're praying for them, you're supporting them. All right, Uh, we're looking at five stages in the life of Jonah, five stages in the life of Jonah. And of course, the book of Jonah picks up when he's an adult and does not tell us about his childhood. And um, so the stage begins, the first stage or the life of Jonah begins in the book of Jonah when God declares to him, God declares, this is very, very, very important. And I don't mean to be repetitive But I do want to remind you that as surely as Jonah has had a declaration over his life, you've had a declaration over your life. Jonah is no more called of God to do something for God than every single one of you sitting right here in this sanctuary today. Every one of you have a gift, every one of you have an ability. And so Jonah was declared over by the Lord to go and perform a certain task, to go and fulfill a calling, a purpose, and he has declared that over your life. Now, let me say this, God may not yet have given you his specific will for your life. Um, It just may not be time, God knows all things, he knows when all things are are best done when they should be done and when uh, you should be spoken to by him. And so uh, we trust his wisdom on that. So you might be sitting out there this morning and you're saying, you know, the Lord, I know he has a will, Pastor. You've said that enough times that I know that's true, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. How do I find out what he wants me to do? I'm gonna give you some profound advice on how to discover God's specific will for your life. Pen in hand, paper in front. Get ready. This is profound. This is unbelievable, amazing. A key to the kingdom. Y'all ready? Do something. Do something. Serve somewhere just to demonstrate to God that you're willing to serve Him. Give your heart and your hands. To the place of greatest demand. Look around the church and give your heart and your hands to the place of greatest demand. Let me tell you where the places of greatest demand are here at Whitley Church. Our hospitality team, that is the team, and I'll probably miss somebody here, but that's our usher ministry. Our guest guide ministry, we have a ministry so when people come for the first time, we hook them up with a person who would just kind of give them a quick tour of the facility. So you can be a guest guide. Uh, you can work in the coffee shop. You can work at the information desk. You can work at the guest welcome center. It's very, very simple. You usually have to do something about once a month. And... Um, So when you serve, when you volunteer to get involved, God sees that as your willingness to do something. And the more we do for him, and the more we serve him, and the more we help build his kingdom, the more light he will give us. But I see it happen in the church so many times. I'm just going to observe, I'm just going to watch, and when God really wants me to do something, he will reveal it to me. Well, I tell you He's already revealed a ton of stuff to you in the Bible that he wants all of us to do. So do something, do something. And when you do something, God will shed more light in front of that. And then when you do that, he'll shed more light. When you do that, he'll shed more light. And before you know it, you're right in the middle of why God made you and why he put you on this earth. Does that make sense? So God's declaration, God's declaration. There is a declaration over you, just like there was a declaration over Jonah. Stage two was Jonah's hesitation. And we found out that when Jonah heard this declaration, Jonah did this he backed up a step he said whoa I didn't know you were going to call me to do that I didn't know you were going to call me out of my comfort zone I mean I've got a list of stuff I'm willing to do but not that one so there was hesitation and we discovered in that teaching that all sin began with a hesitation now not all hesitation leads to a sin I mean you can hesitate and then go, "Nope, I'm going to do what God wants me to do." And not sin, not run. But all sin when it is done can be traced back to the to a hesitation. So where are you in that? Think about your life. I'm thinking about my life. Where is it that I know God has, has kind of nudged me or God's kind of spoken to me about something? And I'm just like, hmm, hesitating on that, okay? So be real careful about that because hesitation can lead to uh, some very bad decisions. Number three in Jonah's life was his deterioration. And we discovered that anybody who's running from God eventually, I mean, they may start out great to begin with, and it may look like they're going to get away with running from God, but eventually their life will begin to unravel. Eventually, there will be a deterioration of their life, and and it'll begin to come apart at the seams. And we went into great detail on that last week. Today, we're going to talk about stage four in Jonah's life, and that is his realization. His realization. In this part of the message, Jonah's beginning to wake up. Jonah's beginning to realize some things. So I want you, as I teach this, I want you to learn this biblically, and I want you to learn this story of Jonah, and I tell you what would just be such an honor to me is if I heard you took this material and improved on it and taught it somewhere else. That would be great. Matter of fact, if you do improve on it, I'd like to get those notes from you, because I'll preach this again in about a year, and nobody will remember it, okay? All right? And I'd love to preach it and, and, you know, improve on it. So feel free to use this material. Nothing's original. And so uh, Jonah is beginning to realize, he's beginning to wake up. He's beginning to, say, he's beginning to say, you know, maybe this is God. Maybe God's trying to tell me he's not going to let me get away with running from him. The realization that Jonah is coming to in this study today actually started in last week's message. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Let me give you some great news about God. Great news about God. When you run from God, when you decide you're going to run from God, and remember, now we've talked about two kinds of running: holistic running, and specific running. You remember that? Holistic running means you're just out of place in your life, where you're saying, "I don't even want God. I don't want church. I don't want." You're not even really sure why you're here this morning. You're just here, and you can't wait to get out of here. You know, I've been there. We've all been there. We've all felt that feeling before in church, and. Um, you might be running from God and go, you know, I'm not ready to give him my life. I'm not ready to repent. I'm not ready to accept Jesus into my heart. I'm just not there. I'm just not ready. That's, that's a holistic running from God. You just don't want God in your life at all. But then there's specific running where you are a believer, you are a Christian, you love God, but all of a sudden he's called you to something that you don't feel equipped for or he's called for something, called you to do something that you don't feel gifted for. He's called you to do something that's outside your comfort zone. And so you're you're kind of running from God about a specific area in your life. Here's the good news. When we run, whether it is holistic or whether it is specific, when we run from God, hallelujah, thank the Lord. He doesn't just sit on his hands and go, well, lost another one. Lost another one. There goes another one down the drain running from me. See you, buddy. Good luck. Who's next? Who's next? God doesn't do that. God reaches out. God wants you back. As a matter of fact, the book of Jonah, if you think about it, is the exact same principles that are taught by Jesus himself when Jesus gave us the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Think about that prodigal son running away from God, and think about how uh, that father longed for him to come back. Think about how that father waited for him to come back. Think about how that father loved that son who was running from him and when he came back he welcomed him. So we see those very same principles. We also see illustrated in the book of Jonah the love of God toward the nation of Israel throughout the entire Old Testament because the nation of Israel kept failing God. They kept turning their back on God. They kept running from God. They would run from God when things were good, and they'd run to God when things were bad. That's how we are often. And so we see the love of God to the entire nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament. We also see in the story of Jonah the message of the entire New Testament. The message of the New Testament is a message of what? Forgiveness. The message of the New Testament is a message of grace and mercy and long-suffering and patience and Restoration. And we see that in the book of Jonah. Because we have studied this book, we discover that Jonah's story is really our own story, at least in part. I'm sure you've never been swallowed by a great fish, but you have been in the belly of the fish, haven't you? And so Jonah's story is kind of like this. When we run from God... Listen to this now. now I, I'm really going to say some things about God today that a lot of pastors don't say and won't say. And I'm going to say some things about God today that a lot of times we don't even want to think about God being this way. But I want you to listen because what I'm going to say about God today is not an act of vengeance or anger from Him. It is love, love, love. Now listen carefully. God in His grace and mercy will instigate That's a very important word because what we like to say when we go through trouble and difficulty is that God allowed it. And I've said that before, and I believe God does allow us to go through some things, but I want to take it a step further today, and I'm going to show it to you right in the Bible. Sometimes God doesn't just allow storms, sometimes God causes storms. Sometimes God will kick up a storm in your life. And so I believe that God will even instigate the unraveling of your life to get you to return to him. That's how much he loves you. And God, in his loving kindness, after he has has allowed you to run, because the choice to run is whose? It's our choice. God will let you run, but he's your dad, so he is going to deal with you when you run. And he'll let those negative consequences come in your life. And then he'll plop himself right down in the middle of it. You'll be sitting there, man, and you're just fuming and you are got your arms. You remember how we were when we were little kids. We were mad and we didn't like the way mom and dad wanted us to do stuff. And mom and dad would come sit right down beside us and say, how's it going? We go, it ain't going good. Well, I just want to let you know I'm here and I love you. And that's how our father is. He'll plop right down in the middle of our negative circumstances that he has either instigated or allowed. I think he works both ways there. And he will reveal himself and say, hey, listen, the reason this is in your life is because I'm the only source of joy. The reason this is happening in your life is because I'm the only authentic source of fulfillment. You can run wherever you want to run. What you're looking for is me. I'm what you're looking for. And you're going everywhere except to me. Isn't that love? When you run from God, God will allow the exaggeration of pain in your life. But when that happens, it is never to pay you back. It is never, ever to get you. It is to bring you back. It is always to bring you back. So when you run from God and then you suffer the consequences of running from God, that's always to bring you back to Him. Now, why? Why in the world would God get so involved in our lives? Why would He get so intentional about bringing us back to Him? I mean, really, think about it. Why doesn't God just go, well, there goes another one. i got thousands more. See you, buddy. You made a bad decision. You're a, you're, you're a goner. I mean, why did not God do that? And here's why. He's got too much invested in you. He's got too much invested in your life. He gave His Son for you. He gave his son to die on a cross and suffer and bleed for you. Can I remind you, as I have many times as your pastor, he loved his son, and because he is God, he loved his son at a level you can't even love your children. See, we get this idea that because he's God, He was able to reach inside and turn a switch and not feel any pain when his son died on the cross. He just kind of turned his back and went, it's got to be done, it's got to be done. Let me tell you something. His heart was broken as much and more than your heart could ever be broken. Think about this, to give your innocent child over to the hands of evil men to do with him anything they wanted to do with him to pay for other people's sin. God has a ton invested. See, you were being held for ransom. We gave ourselves over to a kidnapper in the Garden of Eden, and he held us for ransom. And God knew that the only price that could be paid that would satisfy was the price of his own son. And he paid a ransom to have you set free so we could sing, I'm free to dance. I'm free to sing. The song we sung this morning, the only reason we can sing I am free is because God sent his son Jesus and paid the ultimate price for our sins. So the reason God doesn't just let you go when you decide to run is because he's got so much invested in you. He's poured so much grace and so much love into your life. He will go to the ends of the earth to do whatever he can to bring you back. Listen to me, runner. Hey, runner. Listen to me. He's not going to go away. He's not going to go away. If you're in this sanctuary this morning and you are running from God and you think you can run far enough and long enough, he will go away. He's not going to go away because his love is beyond your comprehension. His love for you is beyond your understanding. So if it means you've got to suffer, if it means that God has to allow you to feel the full impact of the consequences of running from Him, He will allow it to bring you back. His love for you also means, listen to this, that He will allow the exaggeration of pain in your life because you're running, even if you don't make the connection right at the beginning. I know people like that. I know people who run, and then they begin to suffer because they're running from God, because that's just how it is, and they're confused. They don't know why they're suffering. They, don't even, they won't even admit they're running. But they know deep in their heart of hearts that they are running. God will chase you. God will, God will go after you. He's not going to leave you alone. Let's go through some scripture this morning In Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 16. Let's just walk through these verses very quickly. I want you to get this. Then the Lord sent a great wind. Everybody say the Lord sent. The Lord Lord didn't just allow this. He sent it. Y'all with me? Now, I know if I was a TV preacher, I couldn't preach this because I got to keep them checks coming in. But I'm telling you, he sent it. I'm just reading out of the Bible here. And the Lord allowed a storm. I mean, you know, (laughs) the Lord goes, hey, there's a storm. There's Jonah. Mm, I got an idea. No, he created the storm out of what? Love. Love for Jonah. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. The great wind came from the Lord. I'm sure those sailors went, hey, look, a great wind. And then Jonah kind of probably got jostled down there while he was trying to get his nap in. And he goes, hey, man, it's getting kind of rough out there. And then suddenly a violent storm arose out of that, out of the rough seas, you know, and the to and fro. Remember last week the actor said to and fro. Out of that, a violent storm. It looked like the ship, the boat was going to break up. This was God. This was God. This was God getting involved in the life of a runner. Because he loves, he loves, he loves. All the sailors were afraid. I gotta tell you something. It takes a lot to scare a sailor. I mean, these guys were in their element. This is the world they lived in. Y'all ever watch that show on TV called Deadliest Catch? Come on, come on, you heathens! Raise your hand up there. I know they cuss, but they bleep it out. I'm praying for everyone of them to get saved. I don't know. That may do away with the whole program. I'm not sure. But I love that show. They're tough men. They cuss like sailors, and um, there's a lot of beeps in it. I mean, you don't have to hear it, but boy, I'm telling you, man, I love to watch it, and they catch those crabs, boy, and they're just, you know, and they, that's how these guys were, and, and, and they were tough, and, and the Bible says, though, that they were what? Afraid. So this was one honking storm. Because these guys are tough and each cried out to his own God. I don't know how many, maybe they all had a different one, you know, and they're all just crying out to their God. And and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. And I mean, that was the whole point of the trip was the cargo. The point of the trip wasn't Jonah. Remember last week? The point of the trip was merchandise. It was a a merchant ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. He's probably listening to one of my tapes. (laughs) The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and and we will not perish. I mean, these guys thought they were going to die. He said, man, if you'll wake up and call on your God, we call on every other God we know. Call on your God. Maybe he's the one and we won't die. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Casting lots was a form of divination where they attempted to discover the voice and will. Kind of like a Ouija board thing, you know, drawing straws with a little spiritual twist to it. And uh, the Bible says they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And this is the moment, I think, when Jonah went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. You know, it takes a lot for some people. Jonah goes, "Storm! I'm running from God." They just cast the lots. He pointed at me. Hmm. That's called Jonah's realization. Now we think Jonah's crazy. He couldn't see it was God before now. You know, some of us are the same way. God tries to speak and tries to get our attention. You know, and the first time God tries to do it when we're running, he goes. You know, so we won't listen A little bit more uncomfortable, some negative consequences. Because he loves you, he will get louder and louder and louder. And those consequences of running will become more and more severe. Now I know we don't like to hear this about God, but I'm telling you, he's got too much invested in you to go, there he goes, sorry, good luck. He's got too much invested. He's not going away. God is not going away. If you're running, he's going with you. Because he's got too much invested and he loves you too much. See, Jonah was a believer in the Old Testament sense. I know Jesus hadn't died and all that stuff, but he believed. I mean, he was God's preacher. He was God's prophet. And so once the lot fell in his direction, I think Jonah went, you know, this isn't just a storm, I don't believe. This isn't just a coincidence, I don't believe. This is God, the God that I've come to know so well, and he's decided to track me down. I thought when I ran from him, he'd just let me go, but he's not going to let me go. He's going to track me down. So verse 8, I love this, this story. Guys, I am so sorry. Y'all just got to forgive me. It's hilarious. Now, it's heartbreaking, but it's hilarious, too. Listen to this, verse 8. So they ask him, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? I'm a preacher. I'm a prophet. Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? I love Jonah's answer because I'm sure he got that preacher voice when he said this. Y'all know guys that have a preacher voice? I mean, they talk like normal, and then when they get in the pulpit, they sound like they swallowed a steeple. You know? You met those guys? They got a pulpit voice and a regular person voice. And I think Jonah got his pulpit voice. I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land where I should have stayed. <laughs> See, remember in that first sermon I told you guys we always run to the most dangerous places? See, Jonah's just realizing, you know, it's kind of dumb to get on a boat. But when we're running from God, we always run to the most vulnerable, dangerous places. Jonah's going right now, boy, I wish I was on me some land right now. So um, Jonah was essentially saying, I serve the Lord who's responsible for all this. Verse 10, this terrified them. These sailors, they're scared again. And they ask, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. Verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, and I love this, this is great. They're like, man, we love you, dude. We love you, but would you please tell us what must we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Let's get down to what this is all about. What do we need to do to you to make things better for us? I love honesty. And Jonah realized what I hope some of you will realize right here this morning. Running from God is pointless. Running from God is futile. Running from God will bear no fruit, no good in your life. You can run from God, but you can never outrun God. You can run from God, but because of His grace and mercy, you cannot outrun Him. And though you have, like Jonah, put God in your rearview mirror, God is going to create Storms, Out of a heart of compassion and love and tenderness toward you. To get you to realize. That your best life. Is a life surrendered to him. Your best life. Is a life surrendered to him. And that when these storms come. He's not trying to get you back. Or pay you back. He's trying to bring you back because he loves you. Verse twelve. Jonah kind of throws up his hands. Says, "Pick me up, throw me into the sea." He replied, and it would become calm. I know. Remember this from last week. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. My fault has come upon you. Our running affects other people. He has decided. I may as well die, but there's no need. I can't outrun God, but there is no need for all these innocent sailors to die with me. Instead, verse 13, the men did their best to row back to land. Look at the love of these guys for joining. These guys, it doesn't see anywhere that they're even believers at all. Matter of fact, they cried out to false gods so we know they're not believers. But they had enough care for Jonah. They're trying to get back to land, but God wasn't going to let that happen. Verse 13 says, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord. I love this. I love this. All of a sudden, they get converted. And they go, dear, what was your God's name? Jehovah. Jehovah. Isn't that amazing? They cried out to their gods it didn't work, and so they're crying out to Jonah's God now. They say, oh, Jehovah, oh, Yahweh. See, it says in verse uh, 14 there, oh, Lord. But when you do a word study on Lord, you'll find it is, it means Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the God of Israel. They were calling on the God of Israel. Please do not let us die for taking this man's life because we are about to take his life. Do not hold us accountable for killing him because we about to kill him. He's an innocent man. We know, really, he wasn't. For you, O oh Lord, have done as you please. In other words, God, you put us here. We got to get rid of this guy. Please understand. We've tried to do everything we can to spare his life, but we can't. God already knew that. He knew what was going to happen. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard in the raging sea, and uh, the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord. That means they respected, honored, realized that he was the only God who answered their prayer. The only God. They had cried out to many gods, but he was the only one who answered their prayer. Everybody with me? Say amen. And um, so they greatly feared and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Look at verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish. To swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. While Jonah was sinking down into the water. Jonah learned something about God he had never known before. He learned something about a God who says. Call me father. I want you to call me father. Jonah begins to understand. Some things about God he had never understood before. When you run from God. You know what I've discovered? When you run from God, it is not so much that God chases you as it is that when you run, God allows and God instigates storms. And then he lets them have their effect. And instead of really chasing you, he waits. You know what I believe this morning right here in Willie Church? I believe God is waiting for some of you. God is waiting for some of you. Let me tell you how I view God. He waits for you with tears down His face. He takes no pleasure in seeing you go through that storm. I have never disciplined one of my children and enjoyed it. Maybe a couple of times I enjoyed it. Seriously, I've never, I, I've never taken something away from my, one of my boys. And I know the modern parents don't do this anymore, but I used to dance with my boys. We'd dance once in a while. You know, I'd lead and they'd follow them. And um, I never did that when I, when I felt good. I never did that when I said, awesome, man, let's go eat some pizza, you know, let's celebrate. I tell you what I have done. I've disciplined my boys, and while they cried, I went in another room and cried. Our Father loves us, and he will bring discipline into our life because he loves us. Now, God will allow these things and instigate these things, and then he will wait and weep while you decide whether we have to go to another level of storm or not. I'm preaching. I'm pre- you say, what kind of preacher get up there and say stuff like that? The kind who loves you. The kind who loves you. I love you. I love you. And I'm not going to stand up here and powder puff and sugarcoat. I'm going to stand up here and tell you. Now, now I'm going to talk about grace and mercy and all of that. But in that grace and in that mercy and in that love is a daddy who says, Boy, girl, That's one thing you're not going to do in my house. Amen, amen. We serve that kind of father. Our our God is not somebody who can be talked out of. Our God is not somebody who we can get with. And you might have been able to do that in your earthly parents, but you're not going to make any side deals with God. When he speaks it, that's how it is. it's all love. Why did God send the storm? Why did God let the lot fall on Jonah? Why did God let Jonah get swallowed by a fish? Why did Jonah have to spend three days in the belly of a whale? Unbelievable, disgusting days in the belly of a whale. I'll tell you why. Because the God of Jonah, who is our God right here at Whitley, will not let you go until you recognize that he loves you and wants you to come back. He is a God of unconditional love. His love has no conditions. He doesn't love you if you don't run. He loves you if you do run. He doesn't love you if you get it all right. He loves you in your imperfection. He loves you in your failure. He loves you in your sin. He loves you in your mistakes. He loves you when you stumble. He doesn't tolerate it, but he loves you. He loves you never to pay you back. It's always to bring you back. And in verse 15, Jonah is sinking into the depths of the sea. And he's probably thinking, you know, things haven't turned out like I thought they would. (laughs) Maybe God was right. Just maybe. He was right. And he's going down, down, down. And all of a sudden, this great fish just comes out of nowhere and goes... (whistles) And Jonah is in the belly of the whale. And the moment he gets in the belly of the whale, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to his the Lord his God. Boy, did it take something to get the old boy to pray? What's it going to take for you? What is it going to take to get you to cry out and say, Lord, I need you? It took Jonah ending up at the bottom of the sea. He had to go to the bottom of the ocean in the belly of a fish before he cried out. What did he cry out? Look in verse 2, Jonah 2 and 2. In my distress, I caught... He's distressed, all right. He's baited. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And from the depths of the grave, I called to him for help. And that's so typical? Now I'm going to pray. If he'd have done this earlier, he wouldn't even be in this mess. He's desperate, though. He's desperate. You all do know that desperation will create some different behavior in your life. See, some of y'all are here this morning, and you're running from God, and things are going pretty good, so you're not desperate. But I tell you, God will let you, he'll let you come to desperation. Now, been there, done that. Anybody been there, done that? Because he loves you, because he loves you. I'm not preaching a mean God this morning, but I am preaching a daddy God, a good daddy, a good father. And so he started off in great shape on this little Mediterranean cruise and everything's smooth. But now it looks bleak and hopeless. Let's just go back real quick as I close this message. And, and we have some visitors here today. Tell them what it means when I say in closing. Absolutely nothing. But it makes you have hope. Okay. When Jonah started this run, he wasn't desperate. I mean, let's just picture, you know, Jonah, he just kind of goes down to the dock, you know, and. He's kind of blending in with the crowd because he knows if he blends in, God might not be able to find him. What a doofus. And he's just walking around down there. And so he gets his ticket, you know, and he gets on a cruise. How many people have been on a cruise? Raise your hand been on a cruise. Don't be ashamed. It's a God thing, I believe. All good things come from the Lord. It's the best vacation I ever had. And uh, Jonah gets on the cruise. Now I remember that first cruise meal, and I went on. I was standing up on that very top deck, and that Calypso music was going, you know. And I had on a little Hawaiian skirt. It was beautiful. And um, no, that's not true. That is not true right there. And so I'm standing there, and the sun's going down, and that boat's just softly, you know, and that little music. And I'm telling you, it was just so relaxing. It was just so it was just an awesome time of relaxation. I believe, you know, Jonah, he's on the boat, you know, and the sun's going down, and the waves are just lapping up on the side of the boat, and... Of one of those guys is playing a little Calypso thing. and They're just leaving. Jonah's got it made, man. He He's smooth. It's all peaceful and relaxing. And he decides, I'm going to go down to my cabin. And I'm going to catch a little nap, lay down on my bunk, you know. And I want to just kind of forget this whole thing. And one version of the Bible says that when Jonah went down there and went to sleep, he even started snoring. I mean, the boy was chilled. He's chilling out. But i got to think that deep inside... There was some uneasiness about this whole thing in his heart. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Where, where everything's going really, really good, but just something's telling you, you ain't quite right with God. And so Jonah's got that, you know, and he goes, you know, if I, if I go to sleep, I wake up in the morning, everything will be better. And, but I, I got to think at the same time that uneasiness was there, I think Jonah was also thinking, yeah, I might, I might get away with this. See, there's some of you here this morning listening to me preach, and you're running from God, and you're thinking you just might be the one, first one in all history of mankind. But you think maybe God is just going to let me off the hook. Isn't it amazing? We run from God. And things aren't so bad. And nobody's getting hurt. and We just kind of go through life getting by. Have you ever noticed... Uh, if things are kind of smooth, and here, here's a feral Hardison word. You can write this down. Jimmy Bryant has his own dictionary too, but I, I, here's a feral Hardison: half fine, half fine. You know, you're not fine, but you're, you're you're more fine than not fine. Y'all with me? And and here's how we are. We we're you know as long as everything's kind of half fine, I don't really need to do all that praying and all that. So we just kind of go through life getting by. You know, we've learned some spiritual words. So we have glory to God. Psalm 139. Don't know what it says, but I know it's a great chapter. You know, and people think we're spiritual. People think we're okay, but we're really living on the edge. And we're making do with second best. And we're settling for less than God's plan for our life. And we're not living up to our greatest potential as a Christian. And we're just kind of living on a substandard level. We're just cruising along in life. Until crisis comes. And when crisis comes, that walk with God, don't cut it. But as long as everything's half fine, we can fake it till we make it. Y'all with me? When a crisis comes, we get desperate. And we immediately come to a place where we're ready to change and we're ready to obey. To a lot of people, God is no more than 911. That's all God is to a lot of people. The only time they pay him any real focused attention is when they're in crisis. It's like they never really get serious until everything in their life falls apart. Have you noticed people like that? Everything's half fine so they just aren't committed and they're not committed to prayer and they're not committed to the word and they're not committed to serving God and they're not committed to the things of God. And then all of a sudden an accident or all of a sudden a disease and all all of a sudden some crisis comes in their life and I've never yet heard one of them cry out, oh Buddha, have you? Now, those same people, when everything was going great, some of them would argue with me and say, I think Buddha and I think Allah and Jesus, it's all one. But when they get in trouble, they never go, Buddha. I mean, if it's all the same, why don't you go, Allah? It's all, dear Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jehovah, God of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? You know, once in a while, Millie and I'll take a risk and rent a movie that we think's clean. And y'all been there? <clears throat> and Then all of a sudden, they'll say a curse word. And uh, I've always noticed, though, they never say Buddha blanket, or they never say Mohammed blanket, or Allah blanket. They always got to go get my God. You always got to use my God's name. You know why? Cuz he's the only one true and living God. And when you use any other name, it's just empty. It's just empty. So all those people who tell me that Buddha and Allah and Muhammad and all of them are equal with Jesus, if he were if they were when they got ready to curse, they'd use somebody's name other than my Jesus. Amen. Amen. Does that make any sense? Excuse me, I didn't mean to get upset right there. So that's what's going on with Jonah. It's too bad for a lot of people. The bottom has to fall out before they reach up. Again, what did it take to get Jonah desperate? He had to go to the bottom. He had to go through a storm. God sent a storm. God sent a storm. Then God sent a fish. And God took Jonah to the bottom. And that's what it took. And my question for you this morning is, what is it going to take for you to realize where you are? You say, well, Pastor, you're not talking to me. Wonderful. I'm so glad I'm not talking to you. But I probably will be talking to you before the year's out or I'll be talking to you next year. So let this word be in you. And when you start to run, you recognize it. Because I'm your senior pastor, and i got to tell you, there are times I run from God. When he reveals something to me about he wants to do in this church, and it wasn't what I had in mind, I run from it. There's a couple of things right now I'm probably running from. I want him to reveal that to me. I call upon him to not let me off the hook. Let him speak directly to you today. But if you are running, if you are running, I'm telling you, I'm telling you out of a heart of love, the best thing you can do is right now say, I need the Lord. I'm going to stop because here's what's going to happen if you keep running. The storm is going to get rougher and rougher and rougher. That's why you read this story, man. I'm not making this. This isn't Pharaoh in chapter 8 verse 7. This is Jonah. The Bible says the longer he ran and the longer he waited to cry out and say, Dear God, help me, the rougher the sea got. How rough. How rough is it going to have to get before you say, Yes, people have failed me. Yes, churches have failed me. Yes, pastors have failed me. Yes, so-called Christians have failed me. But God, you've never failed me. And I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be back in control, back at the steering wheel of my life, God, and I come to you today. I don't want the storm to get any rougher. I'm ready to submit to you. Father, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every person in this church, I pray they would be confronted with the truth of the word of God today. And they would say, I stop running now. Whether it is a holistic running or a specific running, that they would say, today I stop running. And I'm not saying every storm we go through is because we're running. I I don't want to say that. I believe we go through storms just because we live in this world. But often when we run... Always when we run, there will be that act of God in our life that causes us to want to come back to him. Help us, Lord, today. Help us, Lord, today to say, I'm coming back. God, I want to give you everything and hold back nothing. Do it right now. Those of you who are running holistically, you've, you've said you don't want God at all. Would you just change your heart, change your mind, Would you just right now say, you know what? For me to run from God is so foolish. Lord, come into my life. Wash my sins away. Forgive me. Live in me. Help me, God, to serve you with all I have. Make that commitment today. Make that prayer yours today. Christian who's running, stop it. Come on back. Say yes to Jesus. We pray these things in his wonderful name. And everyone said, God bless you. Thank you for coming.